Thank you for joining us. This is episode 72 of Amateur 3D Podcast, a podcast by amateur printers for amateur printers, where we share our thoughts and experience. Our panelists this week are me, Franklin Christensen, and my friends, Chris Weber, Andy Cottom, and Kevin Buckner. But Chris is not with us this week. Instead, we have a surprise guest, uh, Ryan Phillips. Say hi, Ryan. I am surprised. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I'm not. I'm Ryan. <laughs> well we're just going to call you surprised that's one of the few s words we like on this podcast so uh, I, i'm, I'm a teacher that should be mr surprise sir <laughs> but we're all amateurs here um okay that's besides um, mr is my dad's name okay then it's mr surprise amateur. <laughs> got weird real quick it, it's always been weird Andy. yes 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 now, Ryan, you're a bass player with Kevin. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I can. Uh, I I can call myself that. I because <laughs> I play a bass, and um, yeah, it's fun. I've never seen anyone play a fish before. <laughs> you would think <laughs> it's hard, but you if if you're not the if you can't find the fish in the room, you are the fish. Oh well, that I, I don't want to be the one being played. That's for sure. <laughs> so we invited you in because you just got access to a 3d printer and you had questions yeah, like we've got answers <laughs> we can try uh I, I like to think i have problems we all have problems <laughs> some more than others um the so... question is do we have the solutions yes uh, well, I've been working on solutions on my own, and so this might be more of a uh, discussing where I am in that process. We like to go for it. Obvious. Um, just a, a bit of background is um, I've started teaching uh, a 3D modeling class. Um, uh, before that, I graduated from the University of Utah with a uh, degree in game design, uh, but this was my first chance to kind of use that modeling knowledge uh anyways the school has a 3d printer and so i wanted to get into that because who wouldn't but it sounds <laughs> logic for me yeah uh but nobody's been able to teach it to me so i've been teaching it to myself welcome to the 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 3d world right <laughs> what um, kind of printer do they have they've got a maker bot replicator plus that's a good machine oh you know it Oh yes. We, Actually, we like maybe to, I should just start and, saying, "Oh, dream know about it. the machines we would like to own." <laughs> um, I don't have any context as to how good it is, but um, so far it has uh, had some good and some bad. Uh, I, I guess the uh, response to that should be, "Let's talk about that." But yeah, of yeah. course, that's why you're here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, improvise, improvise, improvise. The 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 starting point of that though um, was of course just just taking some something I had made, throwing it into an STL, importing it into the uh, the MakerBot print software, and exporting it to the printer. Um, in doing so, I immediately found a lot of uh, what I would call. Uh, Yarn getting printed in the in midair. Okay, spaghetti prints. 
Oh yeah, that's um, it, it wasn't as delicious, but it was certainly spaghetti. <laughs> and working on that. My first assumption was okay. This must be happening because it doesn't have a stable enough part underneath it. Um, and I mean, the first thing I was making was like a shark, by the way. Okay. Um, and well, that was one of the things that I've been having my students create sharks. So what I wanted was to be able to um, help students see the fruits of their efforts. Uh, so my response to that was to go to the design level and try to put something, put more things underneath the shark so that it wouldn't, uh, so that it wouldn't have that problem of not having a base. Okay. Um, and that seemed mildly successful after several tries, um, until the point where I actually got it to work by, uh, putting some bases underneath the, the fins and also decreasing the size. Uh, and I still think that there's some better solutions to that, but, um, but it, it's fine for now. Um, I moved on to some bigger ideas, uh, particularly like a building that somebody had, uh, put together, okay. uh, where I ran into bigger problems. Namely that the base was warping and dislodging itself. So that would also result in like gobs of, of plastic and some more spaghetti. Um, Do you know what kind of plastic you were printing with? Filament. I don't know Do what know kind what of filament kind of... though. Okay. It almost sounds like ABS. It just the way it's ABS warping. Brand, like yeah. um, I know so it's slightly brittle. Is it... Do any of these terms sound familiar, like ABS, TPU, PLA, PET? Um, I mean, not really, but okay. uh, I know I've heard them before. So the reason I ask is because those are the most common that we've run into ourselves for the filament printers, the FDM printers. Yeah. Um, I know I've got a few thoughts. I think Andy might have a few, too. With the, do we want to talk about that first, or do you want to me to tell you what how I approached that problem and where I landed? Yeah, let's no, start go there. Ahead. Go, go ahead and, and continue. We'll yeah, just that way keep notes. Well, my uh, of course I didn't, you know, just end there. So kept looking as to what the solution to what that was, um, you know, which is still an ongoing process. Um, so uh, from there, I went to cleaning the bed. And well, sorry, not my personal bed. The print bed. Um, <laughs> the it, it's covered in like a scotch tape, so I'm like, well, let's just put new tape down. Um, okay. So I did that, and then I found a setting for calibrating the the z axis, um, and I ran those, and then tried it again. Also, I added some helper plates to the in in the print software um from there i was able to get some success um but only when i like cut up the designs a little bit so that then i was um printing part of the building and then another part and then i kind of just put them together um that was the that's the only way i've been able to get that to work so far it's because uh and then but in 
doing that, I went back to try to uh, do this again, and I ended up getting more spaghetti print. And okay, that's so... where I currently am. Um, my thought on that was, okay, when I went back, and I didn't add the helper plates that time, so but I didn't understand. I wasn't expecting spaghetti print from a lack of helper plates. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so, yeah, you you you'll start getting a spaghetti print anytime any part of the the print starts to fail, and so the spaghetti is a symptom, not the problem. Mm -hmm. um, and the plastic it sounds like you're using might be a very difficult plastic to print with. If it is curling up from the bed um, when you're printing it, there's not too many plastics that do that but ABS. And ABS is notoriously bad for it. A ABS is not a good thermal plastic to be using in 3D printing, but it was one of the first plastics that people were trying to use to print. But it, it's, it's made for forming um, and molding uh, plastic. It's supposed to shrink intentionally. But in the 3D printer world, you want as little shrinkage as possible, so it, it becomes very difficult to work with. So one of the things that might be causing most of the problems you're having right now is using an ABS-based plastic. Mm. Now, there's, there's another problem you're probably going to start to witness in 3D printing is that everybody has their own solutions, and those solutions often work for just that one person. So no matter what you find online or hear from us, you're going to have to experiment. We can give you ideas on how to work with it and things like that, but not one particular idea will work. Um, Frank cringes anytime he sees the way I print, and I do the same for what he does because we're both very wrong in the way we do it. And we insist we're other. right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but if I was in your shoes, it sounds like starting off with finding out what kind of plastic you're printing with and if it is ABS, I would abandon ABS for right now. Um, the MakerBot is a great printer. It's a higher-end printer. It's uh, Cartesian. I don't believe it's Core XY, but that shouldn't really play too much of a part here. Um, some of the problems are good in your case. There's no manual bed leveling for your um, particular printer. It's all an automatic system for it, so that makes it easier because you can you know, level your bed pretty easily in software, but, um, the official so, terminology for that is still tramming, tramming, Andy. but, uh, you know, so getting the, the proper Z height sounds like it's probably not a problem either. In my opinion, it sounds like it's the plastic he's using. What do you think, Frank? I, I think that, uh, the issue is starting with plastic. Yes. But I, I was actually wondering about the adhesion methods. Like if it slides just a little bit, like if it's curling like ABS, like it sounds like it's ABS, mm -hmm. then um, that would warp the top a little bit too. Is it cooled? And that mm -hmm. would bump it. That would do all kinds of things as the head is moving around. And then it's just printing in empty air where it thinks, because, you know, our printers are stupid. Yeah. It thinks there's a part there that is laying another layer on. Yeah, the, the tape method is largely been abandoned although a lot of people still do use it um, a lot of us take a lot of pride in being able to print with with nothing at all no uh, adhesion problems at all like frank here likes to 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 go um yeah with, with uh, i am got a lack of words all of a sudden but my method is to use the print bed temperature for adhesion mm -hmm. 
Um, I don't go too high. I usually only go to 50, 60 degrees Celsius. And um, that's usually enough that when it cools, my parts will just pop off without me having to prime off. Um, another method is the one that Andy likes so much that it's his sign off, which is to use hairspray. So nylon based hairspray. That way you're essentially stuff. gluing the part to the bed during printing. That way you have no adhesion issues at all. And then once the part cools, once the bed cools, the uh, hairspray is no longer um, uh, an adhesive at all, really. And the item will just pop off the bed by itself if there's any tension in it. Um, and then when it comes to washing it off, a little bit of water instantly dissolves hairspray. So it's kind of my all-around fix-it. I always use hairspray, always, and I recommend it to anybody having adhesion problems. And often when these guys' methods don't always work 100% of the time and they're having a problem part, they will go back to using a little bit of hairspray as, as a, you know, a, a nuclear option for them. So uh, Kevin uses a very highly, uh, what would you call it, a uh, etched bed? Textured. Uh, textured bed to deal with his adhesion problems. And um, so all three of those might be an option. The tape is known to work. A lot of people use um, painter's tape, the blue tape. Seems to be uh, something that a lot of people like to print on. But um, the tape well, is kind of going. The property of the tape that's is in, that, that you're matching there is that it's textured. Yeah, yeah, you're adding te texture to the bed. That's that's the exact reason behind and it. And then the adhesive comes off pretty what pretty easily afterwards. So mm -hmm. that's another reason the masking tape has been used. Um, uh, let, uh, let, let's let's ask a, a a very relevant question then. Um, how often do you need to replace the tape? I don't know. I've never used tape. Neither have I. Um, <laughs> Chris would have been a great person to ask, essentially, because mm -hmm. he yeah. has. It seemed I to me like he was he... only getting like four or five prints out of it before you had to replace yeah. it. I had to guess. You have to be very meticulous about how you uh, lay it down. Because you're auto tramming, um, you wouldn't have to retram every time. Your software will do that for you. Um, because none of us have the uh, <laughs> the auto tramming option, like Chris needed to retram every time he put down tape, so he yeah. he pushed it as long as he possibly could. Um, I've been looking online and I'm not seeing anything jumping out. You said you're using a MakerBot, right? Yeah, MakerBot Replicator Plus. Okay, I don't see any extensions for your slicer to get print towers. Um, it might be something to do a little more research on though, but that's how me and Andy decide what kind of angle we can print at for open space, um, what temperatures we wanna use for our plastic, how fast we want it to run for our printer, all of those things. And those will help you dial in um, all of the temperatures and the speeds that could be contributing to your issues there as well. Uh, let's uh, take a second to talk about um, the fan, because I okay. noticed that there's a setting that is um, uh, the basically, I think it's trying to say that 
I can control if I want it, the fan to be on high or low. Uh, I think working. what it is, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. The doesn't it blow on the filament as it prints in order to get it to just you know not be goo the second it lays down? It no, helps with that. Less after it lays down, it tries to cool it down as quickly as possible. And mm. some that's really based on what kind of filament you're using for how much of the air, you know, the, the, the fan you should wind up be using. Um, when you're starting out, it can really vary on that one, but it's not going to affect it too much. If you do like 20 or 30% and then kind of experiment from there, that'd be kind of an all-around starting place. Well, it starts at 100%, not low. No no fan yeah now when you're starting out your first layer should have no fan and a lot of slicers will give you that option to have little or no fan for your first layer and then ramp it up for adhesion. it doesn't it doesn't distinguish in the setting it just says um fan speed it's just okay. a setting when you export that's awesome is there an advanced settings uh loop for your uh your slicer I know that we all use Cura, so we're not really that acquainted with how MakerBot does it. I know that Cura has an advanced and a rudimentary um, settings options. It seems yeah. clear to me that they're trying to keep things really simple. Try to mm -hmm. be they're they're focused on user friendly, which they tend to be very user friendly, um, kind of across like, the board. In fact, it it hasn't even like cared if i'm very sloppy with my models um <laughs> like it'll it'll sort of auto um figure out models on its own like repairing like, the faces face gaps and stuff like that to make solid objects um yeah correcting faces and um making assumptions if there's any gaps that, so that, that's pretty a lot of them will do that kind of stuff they, they try to help you out as much as possible because the amount of options you do have to control your printer are overwhelming to even the people who use it regularly. So, um, yeah, the parts cool back to the parts cooling fan. Uh, you shouldn't really have any fan at all. The it would be better to default towards no cooling than to default default towards a hundred percent cooling. I can tell you that hundred percent cooling could wind up causing print failures. Zero percent cooling will lead more to just crappy prints. So, Okay, I had I think I had turned it down to ninety percent in an attempt to improve. So you're suggesting being more aggressive with with, with the fan, but with turning fans, it down at least to start with. Um, There's going to be a lot of experimenting. That's why Frank was talking so much about towers. Once you get it working, there's a lot of tests that you can run to see what your printer likes to run at to get the best quality of prints possible. But and where so much it of it's like... environmental that it's hard to yeah. be specific with advice. And and another reason that there's so many different perspectives on how to do it is because environmental stuff plays such a big role. It does. Um, um, where you're starting off already having problems with failed prints, you're going to want to correct that first until you can get reliably no spaghetti prints from the beginning. And then from there, experiment with settings to get better quality in your prints. Definitely start off first with your plastic. Make sure what kind of plastic you're using. 
my opinion, if you are, if you do have ABS plastic, I would abandon the ABS plastic. That's much more advanced. None of us print with ABS. Chris is considering it by enclosing his printer, but that's that's more difficult to print with, higher level, higher skill printing, and not necessarily for better quality either. It's just if you got a lot of ABS you want to be able to get rid of, then you might try to develop that skill a little bit. ABS is also cheaper to use, but it's not necessarily going to be better. If you have a variety of plastic in your shop, start with something like PLA. That is the easiest plastic for everybody to print. It's pretty user-friendly across the board. And if not PLA, try PETG. That's the next best compared to ABS. And um, other plastics beyond that can get more difficult to print like ABS is. But the easiest is always going to be just straight PLA plastic for right now. Um, once you've identified the plastic problem, I would check on, uh, you're already using tape. The people who used your machine before you must have been using tape, right? So that must have been working for them. So I would continue to use the tape until you're, until you, you can get to the point where you're only changing one variable at a time to figure out a better, you know, quality to print. So for right now, tape's on it. Go ahead and replace the tape again. Make sure you got, you know, the, the nice good surface on the tape to try to print with. And then you, you can work on from there. If you continue to have adhesion problems, there's a lot of adhesion settings in most slicers. I wouldn't be surprised if MakerBot Slicer has some adhesion help as well. You're already using helper disks, which is like the best way, excuse me, to go about um, with adhesion issues versus using what the slicer already has available for helping with adhesion. But um, um, if, the, if you're still having spaghetti prints, uh, you can go default to the nuclear option, remove the tape, clean the bed, and use a nylon-based hairspray. Um, or uh, a lot of people have used, um, uh, what, what's the paste glue? The oh, the glue, glue sticks? Stick glue. Yeah, glue stick glue. I've seen a lot of people utilize that as well. Make too. sure you use the, the white glue stick if you do yeah. that. Um, I've heard that the purple glue stick, which isn't more common at this point, I guess, um, the purple glue stick doesn't do as well. Yeah. But it, a uh, very you know. thin layer and let it dry before you start printing. But um, those two options are kind of nuclear options. And once you establish a good print, you can try to get away from using them um, as much as possible um, until, because I mean, the printer should be able to print on just straight glass. Or and you got a glass, a flat, untextured glass bed on. Side note: the, Andy just used the S word that we don't like. Right. Yeah, I should. Let's see. The MakerBot. No, it does have a. Te you got a textured bed plate, don't you? I don't know because I have uh, not really looked at it much since it's covered okay. in tape usually. Okay. Well, I guess the most important part is is to get it printing reliably first without the spaghetti prints, and then you can branch off there to all the different ways. You can solve other problems that might be occurring with your prints. So plastic first and then adhesion next is probably the two biggest things you should really work on. If you're printing with PLA, you should be able to print pretty easily, um, you know, most things. When, you're, when you slice your models, uh, if there are overhangs, your slicer is generating supports, correct? No. Like it's adding plastic pieces to, okay. That might be part of the issue too. Most of our printers can't print further than about 65 degree angles. So 
if I stuck this to my bed for the visual listeners, I'm holding up essentially a funnel. If I stuck this to the bed, you can see that the angle where the funnel goes out at is about 45 degrees. This would print fine without supports. But you can see um, along the top of this, I have bridging that would take place and overhangs that does require supports. Asterisk, asterisk when it comes to bridging, right? But generally, if it's more than about 60 to 65 degrees, it requires supports. But you've got, you've got a lot of space between your supports, though. You, t you tend to. Uh, this model that I was showing here has no supports in it. Um, so I was I was saying this. Well, I thought you were talking. I thought you were saying to... those little um, the fins the connecting the yeah the the underneath. There's I thought was that not what you were talking about when you say supports? No, no, uh, mm -hmm. that that's not here. Let me let me pull something up here. So you're talking about yeah. removable supports, not na the natural supports of the objects. Exactly. Not something you necessarily apply to your model. Um, as you get better adding supports manually in your CAD software, definitely gives you a lot more control. But um, on most FDM slicers, there's not a whole lot of control of where the placement of the automatic generated supports go. But there is some there that you can work with. And for a beginner, that's the one you're going to want to use. I'm trying to load Cura here so I can show you a I, little bit. I know there's a, some support options. I haven't played with them yet. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think I saw some some stuff online talking about the supports and uh, I was trying to see if I could uh, just learn to design my models so that it didn't, wasn't going to have to make guesses and where I could just do that. You are you are speaking directly to my heart on that one. There, I hate using supports when all possible. But um, if you look at the well, because the it's a, here, it looks like a big waste of filament. It, it can be, it can be, but a lot of the time there's not going to be a way to get around it. If you're printing any kind of uh, um, organic model, there's a better chance than not you're going to need supports. But if you're making your model. Um, uh, more like mechanical based, then you, you can you can get away with those. Are, are you seeing my stream by chance, Ryan? Yeah. Okay. So it, this is the same model that I was just showing you there, and um, you can see the red under uh, in the model here with Kira. This is Kira showing us that we need to support this area. It will fail if not. Now, oh, Kira doesn't... wait, hold on. Are you showing your screen? I, I thought you meant just your camera. Oh no, I was the, the stream. Oh, uh, hold on. I think I got to switch here then to watch things. Okay, got it. Okay, all right. So for our visual listeners, I'm showing an impeller that I've been working on, and I'm printing the impeller upside down in Kira so I can demonstrate how Kira would supply supports to the model. So you can, you can see this here now, right, Ryan? Yeah, and, and okay. I even uh, did that in where I was saying that I had, like, cut up, um that building in order to mm -hmm. try to uh solve this problem which did work um but it's uh i yeah i had to print part of it upside down and in that's order to make that work that is the great way to do it because then you can turn around and glue the model back together and that way you're more in control of where the surfaces are marred because you know the glue areas are never going to come out the greatest but mm -hmm. it gives you a lot more um ability to control stuff like that. Um, but supports are another option to add to that skill level. If I go ahead and slice this model here, 
um, you'll be able to see the supports that Cura will automatically generate for the the, the supports. Okay. I, Sorry. So I don't have Cura on my machine. I would have to go to the IT department to get Cura. Maker, um, the, the software you're using should do something extremely similar. Pretty much all the slicing software will work the same as what you see here. Okay. So if you look at this model here, you can see the supports that it has generated around the entire model to be able to, to support it. Um, if we go through and the layer by layer, you can see the inside of this model now has supports uh, to be able to support the top surface. Okay. Now, when it comes to 3D printing FDM style, there is techniques we can use called bridging. You can see in this, this last couple of layers here, that, that next layer that's going on top of all these fins in this model is completely flat. This is a bridgeable surface. That means I don't actually need those supports underneath it to make this work. But it may droop a little bit during the print, marring the surface. So it kind of really matters on what you need supported and, and, and what you might be able to get away with not supporting. Sometimes printing without supports um, can work just fine because the part that gets marred is not uh, a part that you will even see, you know. But um, you can't support, just keep it when, from drinking you, with a higher fan speed? No. No, I mean, Some, you can sometimes. to a point. It, it depends on the printer. Sometimes you can, but it's it really depends on the level of risk or how risk averse that's a good way to put it mm -hmm. how risk averse you are to uh the parts not bridging correctly and there's actually tests for the bridge as well yeah and there's there's ways to accomplish stuff like that we can get our printers to do some pretty crazy things but that's all more like advanced kind of stuff to be working with right now you're just trying to get something printed now, the first print you said was like a shark or something, right? Some kind of uh -huh. fish? Yeah. And so right there is standing out to me that you would definitely probably have overhangs that would need to be supported. Without supports, the model yeah, will probably wind up failing. And as soon as you have one part of the model start to, to fail, that failure will cause it to collide with the rest of the model and can cause the entire model to fail. Yeah. So that's why I'm pointing yeah. out supports because it sounds like with the fish model, something like what I'm showing here is is what you actually needed to accomplish that particular print. Now, there's a lot of ways you probably could have divided the fish up, printed it, you know, two separate halves flat on the bed. And, oh, you and know, I did try that, um, but it didn't. Uh, I, I tried cutting it in half and, and you know putting the inside face down. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, it didn't work though. <laughs> okay, that goes um, but, back to the plastic and that you're using and the adhesion you're using on the bed for that. Right, right. Uh, I kind of uh, saw that 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 was the issue. Um, yeah. That it came back down to the same thing. Um, so, but those were the two big things I were having was having problems with was curling and and supports. Okay, uh, and, and it, sometimes it, it wasn't like clear which one it was. Yeah. And, it and, really sounds like you're probably printing with ABS or some. So it was. Uh, that's what another issue that now I'm starting to see is the brittleness of it. That's that's another weird thing. ABS isn't brittle at all because it's really old filament. Could be. Could be. Uh, brittleness of the filament before running it through the printer or after it's been printed. 
Uh, after. After it's cool. After? Okay, then maybe it's not ABS. So many questions. ABS it, it, is a it, very soft plastic, and by running it through the printer, you're essentially reconditioning it. So even if it is older ABS, if it made it through the hot end, it's it's probably fairly reconditioned at that point and should be back to its nice rubberiness that ABS plastic has. I don't mm. suspect it should be brittle, so maybe I'm wondering, PLA is known to be very brittle, but PLA shouldn't give you the warping that it does. Uh, I, I, I'm sure I could look closely at the packaging to find out what it is. Yeah. The, the, the hard it, part with all of To be of fair, this. hold on, to be fair, uh, it's only brittle where it's thin. Okay. So that's like, uh, so when I did the, the building where I cut off uh, basically the, the overhanging roof, um, printed it upside down. Um, I didn't just print it like that. I added little, um, I added little, uh, tabs where, so that it could lock into the columns, which were hollow underneath it. Okay. And then, but they were, you know, still very small. I'm printing on small scale, so I don't waste filament with bad prints. Um, yeah. and, those little tabs, which were really nothing more than just, uh, you know, and I did it on the design level, went to 3ds Max and just added some small cylinders. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, they were breaking off. I mm -hmm. think I lost a good, uh, four out of 12. I don't know. I and then this week, <laughs> my, my shark fin just snapped off when it fell to the ground. And if, if he was printing with ABS, I don't think it would be that fragile. That sounds like uh, that sounds like PLA. I would be surprised if it wasn't cheap, but I don't actually know. Yeah, yeah that, that's a little tough there. It might be worth looking into the plastic that you're using. Yeah, I'll have to just find out for myself. Definitely um, the main place to but start. Yeah. Even if I find that out, you know, it, it demands an understanding to respond. Right. Well. If the plastic you're using is old, you could try reconditioning that plastic. Uh, but this would only help for the plastic acting old before it's ran through the printer, not necessarily after it's ran through the printer. Uh, hmm. We often uh, recondition the plastic through heat. Um, some people um, are okay with using an oven, putting it in an oven at about 150 to 180 degrees, give or take, for a few Fahrenheit. hours. That's Fahrenheit. Yeah, Fahrenheit <laughs> to dry it out. Uh, works really well and to recondition the plastic and that that helps with almost all the plastics we have out there but um, It doesn't sound like this is the problem you're having here. I don't know uh, Peeling up and shrinkage and being brittle at the same time feels contradictory I'm not <laughs> sure how to how to deal with that one. I, I would have to see it myself I think in that case, but at least are checking there, into the types of plastic that you're using. Are there hybrid stuff. plastics? There's tons of different kinds of plastics out there, so this could be something weird. I mean, X10 is very, or X or 10.9 is very brittle. That's a, a, a very good plastic, but a very difficult one to print too. And from what I remember, it does shrink as well, a little bit like ABS, but it shrinks like the way PETG shrinks. It's not very well, much at all. Okay, now I'm not, I'm not a physics guy, but mm -hmm. uh, I do know physics guys. And I think this might be a thing. What do you think of this? Um, is it cooling too fast that it creates brutality? I don't think that would play too much of a part with the, the plastics here. 
the maker that you've got is a fairly enclosed printer. I mean, if you look at uh, Frank's picture in his background here, you can see his very open bed hold on, hold on. style I don't, I don't mean cooling like natural cooling. I'm talking about the fan. Oh, like, is it is the fan cooling it too fast? Because that does can't that create a brittleness to any product? Fast cooling. Um, it would, but I don't think you would. Uh, the 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 type it, it of would require the... large changes, like going from say I print it two fifty. If it was to yeah. go from two fifty to a hundred in just a matter of seconds, that might cause some wear and tear. But um, isn't just that what the fan, fan does? Just the fan blowing on it isn't going to cool it that much that fast. I can't um, say I've never heard of that problem in the are, are we yeah. are are the I, I the way you're talking about that makes me think that maybe this fan is different because this isn't just a generic fan. This is something that is a very small fan that mm -hmm. blows directly on the filament as it's being printed, right? Yeah. We call that the parts cooling fan and all 3D printers have them. Okay. So, um yeah, not just like a generic cooling fan for the whole thing but just a cool this instantly fan um yeah it, it looks like a what the if 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 the replicator plus hasn't been modified that you have it's just a centrifugal impeller fan and it's a blower a lot of people just call them blowers um even if it was blowing a lot of air it's blowing ambient temperature air onto it and so right. i i do not believe the amount of cooling that you could be getting from your fan would cause brittleness the way you describe in your part i'm sure if you printed if you got two examples one printed with no fan one printed with 100 percent fan and you tested those that to some degree the fan cooled one might be a little bit more brittle than the other i could see that happening but not to the degree that you're talking about i think we're talking very little for something like that so i, I don't think that's necessarily the problem of why your parts seem to to be so brittle um, the fan could be causing adhesion layers, be adhesion problems between layers of the prints as well. Is the layers themselves actually breaking or is the print pulling apart? And that's what you're calling brittle. Uh, well, in the case of those tabs, I wouldn't be able to really tell the difference, but okay, yeah. where the fin broke, uh, did it break across layers? You know, it's so thin that I don't know if I could tell, um, but I um, I don't think it did. The fin was printed horizontally, right? Um, I mean, it prints exactly the way you would think that it would print. You know, it's like okay, it's like okay. So if, if you printed the fin horizontally and the fin broke in half, well, well it would... goes up at an angle, but okay. it's so thin that it's like you're not going to be able to tell. But more than that, I don't think it, I don't think it broke perfectly. Uh, you know, parallel to the body. I think it broke slightly angular. Okay. Well, so, our, our 3D printed plastics are really strong, except in the direction of the layers. They're extremely weak in that direction. The adhesion between layers is always going to be less than, than the plastic, you know, itself. So if it is going to break, most of the time it will break along layer lines. And if yeah. you're having some adhesion problems, um, Temperature's not being right for the type of material you're printing. If you're printing too cold, it could cause you adhesion problems between layers. And like you're suggesting, too much fan can cause adhesion layers 
adhesion problems between layers as well. Okay. So, so I think that's that going to be, be one of the problem. things that I'm looking at next as well. Possibly. But um, I also think that should that is amongst one of those quality issues. We you got to probably should focus more of your energy on on getting uh, no spaghetti prints. That's the first problem, the first battle you're going to want to fight because it doesn't yeah, do I you mean, any good trying to solve, you know, uh, the brutality of the plastic before you can really print the plastic to begin with. Well, I'm I, I I'm still quite lost on why my last print was spaghetti you know it was uh it happened right where it was in where it was creating the base layers where i was trying to do another uh structural print um and we talked about the the material but i only have what i have True. Um, did the base come off of the bed no it was spaghetti printing before anything like that occurred Okay. Anyway, so it was just kind of strange. It was like, um, you know, it's I, it was uh, mostly just it should have been printing flat, but it was I think it was still printing its not my base, but its base. If I can, if that's clear terminology. Are are you printing? So is the printer printing its own base for each of your models? Yes, which is an option I can turn on and off. Okay. Yeah, we call that a a a. a, a, a a raft. What is it called? Raft. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, although there is another option to a raft, but I was reading that raft is one of the better ones that would help me. Yeah, I, that's one of the more nuclear options, but for adhesion problems. For a lot of time, I used rafts on everything, and it helped me dial in other things while I was using them. So, yeah, they're a good option. So, and it was kind of strange because it like it printed like a triangle before like instead of a square but uh but then after it was done with the triangle it started printing something else and that went to spaghetti and then i'm like that's strange because it kind of seemed like it was trying to print over the section that didn't have the triangle it's like well shouldn't there have been a second triangle not you know it seemed to like yeah. almost like it skipped something that makes me want to look at the uh g code and see see what is going in there because it sounds like something else getting inserted into the print before it starts to print your design which is weird so the the software you're using is not the most popular software out there for uh the people who are you know 3d printing um, the, but, the maker bot yeah um but i know i understand that it would be hard for you to change software at this point too but well, just because it's to... not it's not my machine, so I'm not in control yeah. of the um I don't yeah, I don't have administrative rights. Yeah. The printer themselves are very dumb. All they do is just follow the instructions they get from the slicer itself. Mm -hmm. And so there is a chance some of this some of these problems could be coming from the slicer itself. And uh unfortunately, none of us use that kind of software. <laughs> of course. So it's hard to tell what it what it is intending to do, and if that is actually causing the problem here as well. Well, you are definitely having a not normal problems, though. That is for <laughs> sure. Oh, so uh, so this is useless to all beginners. Got it? No, no. Like oh. you yourself doesn't sound like you're having a normal printer. If you would have like bought that print, like somebody buying a brand new printer and getting it out and trying to use it would probably have 
different problems than what it sounds like you're having here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is probably coming from the plastic that you're printing. Uh, like I, I said at the beginning, you're having um, adhesion or uh, curling problems uh, on the print. At the same time, the print plastic is brittle. Those are contradictory to, you know, the, that, that, that's two separate types of problems that have very different solutions. So there's something going on there with the type of plastic you're using, I think. The, the challenge with printing that uh, we haven't talked about with yet is you kind of have to approach it with the scientific procedure in mind, and you need to try to isolate and treat each issue like its own problem. Well, um, as a programmer, that is familiar territory. Okay. <laughs> and, and so the problem that we all run into and is really hard to battle is when you change something, you only want to change one thing at a time. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's not something I want to do. <laughs> no, it, 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 it takes a lot of plastic, if nothing else. Um, but especially identifying and working through these issues, they need to be addressed individually instead of holistically. Yeah. Um, and if some of them go away because you were focusing on another thing, that's great. But uh, that's really the best place to start is just break it down um, into its individual parts and address them that way. Yeah. That's a toughie, man. It really is. Sorry, I have well, so many problems with this one. <laughs> um, well, I've had successes too. So um, that's good. You take it for what it's worth. Um, but I think my, my, my next attack on that was going to focus on the helper plates, getting those, um, adjusted a little better is that, uh, based on my last problem. Helper plates are really good for the curling, putting them on the corners, the helper discs, and will help with distribution as well. I thought it could have helped with that spaghetti problem. So I'm like, well, if it printed over nothing, but maybe it thought there was a plate there. And it didn't, but there was you, no plate, so when, that could be one possibility. When you say there wasn't, with with, with your spaghetti print, uh, you say that there was the base was still attached to the bill plate. Yeah. Was there there there's a there's a type of error that we call de-indexing. It's where it looks like it shifts part of the print over the top of itself. Um, did it look like it? Did it just go straight from printing the base into a purely spaghetti print, or were there chunks of the print that were floating amongst the spaghetti? The prior. So just straight spaghetti, huh? Yeah, it like like I said, it just it moved to an area where there was nothing underneath it and started trying to print. And when you slice the model, you don't remember there being anything over there in the. I mean, this is the very basic layer. It's like. Um, the, the the building is like surrounded by just flat stairs. Okay. Um, that um, there there is when the, there, when there's, the there's one other factor that goes into that on the design level, which is that okay. um, the the stairs are not completely flat. I had there's uh, there uh, there's basically like a hole, you know, uh, so that okay. it interrupts it sort of in the middle. Um, which I had added uh, intentionally 
to try to help with the warping. Be like, okay, we're okay. going to break it up in the middle. Um, okay. I don't know if it had, if that had messed it up. Certainly possible, but it should have been able to accommodate that by, you know, printing a base underneath the parts that are actually touching the ground. Yeah. Um, um, the, when it was printing the spaghetti print, was it, was the head printing directly over where the model was? Or was it askew from where it should have been printing? Um, Even though it was air printing at the time, was it air printing over the model? Or was it... I, I can't even know if it was supposed to be over the model because it had printed, you know, like its base, the uh -huh. which was like half of a, you know, it was like a triangle half of the of a box. Um, mm -hmm. And then it moved away from that triangle. And so I don't really know what it was intending. Okay. I so, feel uh, like we've been speculating a lot. Um, this next week, why don't you take some pictures? We'll, we'll keep you in the Discord so you can share pictures with us. Okay. And if you're not opposed, we'll even probably invite you back once we have better information, once you have a better idea of where your starting points are. Because I, I just feel like we're just falling into the speculation hole and if we had yeah. pictures we could analyze and we knew what material you were using we would have a much better place to move forward from well i i mean i guess in i guess i i hope it's not uh too distracting that uh i don't mind speculation because it's it explores all possibilities which is good for my learning well sure the I, the I just feel well, like it's not being very hopeful necessary. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, it gives me multiple things to look at and try. Sure. And there's that. There's the one thing that I was going with the set of questions here is if it is printing over and if it is air printing over where there was no model to be printed, then there's the chance the in, the machine became de-indexed uh, where the, the head, the printer has no idea where the head is. It has no clue. The only time it knows is when it's homing. There's a little switch it will throw at the very max side one way or the other of the carriage or the the uh, the gantry. Well, actually, you don't have a gantry on yours, do you? Oh, no, I guess you do, but it doesn't move. Anyway, um, and it will know that it reached those um, those maximum points, but that's the only time it knows exactly where the head is. The rest of the time, it's just telling the head how far to move. So it's really easy for the head to become de-indexed and away from the model where it was supposed to be. Like if the head struck something while it was printing and the machine thought it had moved the head, let's say 10 millimeters to the left, but since it hit something, it only moved five millimeters to the left. So now the entire print is de-indexed by five millimeters and it will continue to print. Sometimes the machine, they, they, can, they can have a lot of torque on the motors you can have the amperage turned up really high on the, uh, excuse me, the stepper drivers, and uh, they'll be able to push through stuff, including like popping stuff off the bed and stuff like that. Other times you breathe on them wrong and um, the uh, stepper motors will become de-indexed. So there is I... a small chance that the machine could be the problem. If you are air printing and it's spaghetti printing, but the head isn't where it should be printing at, that's something that I might look into if I was in your shoes of watching the machine, listening to the machine and, and seeing if it does wind up getting de-indexed uh, because it's hitting something. You know, 
Try printing something and try holding the head back a little bit. Try holding the carriage back a little bit. If it fights you pretty good, then you're probably okay. But if you barely touch it while it's trying to move one direction, it just sits there and clicks, then de-indexing could be causing your spaghetti problem. I have a question I don't think we asked, and we probably should have. Is anybody else getting good prints from this printer, or are you the only one using it right now? I think I'm mostly the only one using it. Um, there's <clears throat> there's a, a nice uh, lady that runs the media center that's tried a couple prints, um, but she says that she's been having problems, so she hasn't been messing with it too much. Okay. Um, just because with all of this stuff, well, you already <clears throat> clarified that you're a programmer and a techie. So if it was anomalous and it was just you, that would be an indicator that of, you know, the cause as well. So, so I'm the problem. Got it. Well, no, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It, it's a universal issue or it seems like a universal issue. So it's probably not you. Hmm. Probably. Um, I also heard it could be my breath. Uh, so, I'll... <laughs> um, I wouldn't know. Um, yeah, the internet hasn't gone smell vision yet, but um, once anybody, we... <laughs> anybody who's read uh, Ready Player One knows to be afraid of that stuff anyway. Uh, only watched the mediocre movie. You know, I haven't done either, and I still know to be afraid of that step. <laughs> Although well, uh, the uh, the the other issue where everyone's going to just eventually be living in uh, uh, little mobile home, like tiny homes on, stacked on top of each other, I think we're slowly heading towards that one in real. No kidding. No kidding. We have to run out of dirt in Salt Lake before that happens, I think, though. <laughs> I thought we you got, already were. Well, we've already got the, we still got about a third of the western part of the valley that doesn't have yeah. any houses. So, oh, okay. I think okay. we're good for at least another decade. Uh, you know, I that, I was even mentioning to my wife the other day that um, how much space there still is in Utah. Like, like if we're talking about running out of space, I'm like, we we still got several states worth to fill. <laughs> yeah, two thirds of Utah is protected land, though. I think it's about two thirds, maybe even more. We've got a lot of yeah. federal federal land in Utah, so yeah. it would take a, a a very specific permission to achieve. I mean, there's even just going south on uh, what was it called? Eighty five, I fifteen, fifteen. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, for hours and hours, you just there's just nothing there. Um, yeah. Utah, Utah County is like, pretty. Until you get to like Cedar City, and then you're desolate again for another couple hours. Yeah, <laughs> got plenty of space in that direction, but that's also where a lot of the uh, the federal land starts too. So, yeah, yep, little blocks all over the place. Well, you get into 3D printing so that you can you think you could develop skills to be able to print your creations and you discover the only skill you really learn is how to debug your equipment. <laughs> Just like uh, any yeah. other skill. That, that's what the 10,000 hours are for. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you know, you get into those positions where you're like, I know what the problem is. I'm going to, you know, export the fix 
And then I should be able to just print and leave it alone and not even check it. Oh, yeah. And, and, and um, it takes a little bit of time to get that. But we can take any model that we want and just run it off on the printer sight unseen. But it's getting the printer established with the right speeds to do everything and all the different settings set in just perfect. And then you can have that. But that's most of the skill behind 3D printing is just getting your machine to work that good. <laughs> well, it's or just any as, machine operation. Yeah. It's just as useful you, as making a writing some code and then just compiling it and, and sending it off instead of running it first. Hey, if it builds, it ships. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, right? <laughs> so and you know that's... what? I, I would say no, because you're right. When it comes to working code, um, you're, you fight bugs all day long. But when it does come to 3D printing, I think, I mean, I don't even, when I put a job in my printer, I don't even wait for it to start anymore. I don't even preheat the machine. I just tell it to start the job. and I think it's so rare now that I have a failure. I don't even bother about it, but that's after, you know, spending time. And like Frank was talking, printing all the towers and getting things dialed in nice that you can have that. And it definitely is different than coding at that level as there's not really many bugs to work with. And once you got it dialed in and it's working right for you, when something does go wrong, you have a much better idea of what to go with because you're back to only changing one variable at a time, you know? And you've got a good machine here. That Replicator Plus is a far superior machine than all three of the machines that we're running. And we're all oh. running bed slingers. So well, you got I guess a good that's one there. State funding for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. But oh, we, you know, we actually, have, we actually have two. Yeah. So uh, I can still break one and be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was really actually worried about that the other day I was like All right, I'm going to try a long print I'm going to trust that my fix because you can't sit around and wait for you know to, to see if your fix worked on a long print you can't be there for 4 to 10 hours um, Yeah. so I like ran it and I was really nervous I'm like I'm going to leave the building with a hot machine running and I uh, hope it doesn't burn down the school yeah Hope it doesn't run out of school. I hesitate every time I leave my condo for that reason. <laughs> I, I yeah. affect 12, 10 other families if I burn down the condo. So and to 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 not keep you in suspense on the end of that story, um, I, I don't know how sturdy the edges of your seats are, but <laughs> it is. Um, it was a situation where I came back and I was really nervous and, um, sure enough, it did fail. It went to, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. I call it the gobber. Um, ended up with just a big glob of plastic. <laughs> That's the worst kind of fail. Those ones are hard to clean up sometimes. And it wasn't too hard, but it did dislodge a, a piece of the machinery. Oh. Um, it, <laughs> so whatever happened. Um, and that really worried me until I saw that I could just snap back into place. Um, and it seems okay now. But uh, now I'm, you know, that you mentioned something being misaligned. Uh, can't help but wonder if it's affected. So, uh, so I might end up going back to some smaller size prints and seeing if it's if it's printing those okay. Uh, some something less strenuous than what I've been doing. Go back to like yeah. a, a small shark or something, hmm. but well, uh, well I had I had only after that happened 
gotten to uh, uh i did get a couple successful prints where i had you know cut things and done it in smaller bits so i'm not sure okay well check the plastic work on the bed adhesion a little bit and then start off one variable at a time for what needs what's not working right you know also well, i'm gonna, I'm gonna turn that fan to down. like 30 percent yeah uh, 20 to 30 percent to start out with it, it's better to have it off than to have it too much on so so if you have the fan completely off how how much uh warping of you know due to melting the plastic is to be expected well having the entire area heat soaked a little bit better will slow will minimize the warping and lead to less quality but um, not blowing the hot air away from the part will keep it warm so that when it does shrink, it's shrinking more as one solid piece. But um, let's see, uh, is, is the MakerBot you got is still an open bed. It's not enclosed at all, right? Yeah, it's open. Okay. If I were yeah, so desirous, so... I could, you know, uh, put my hand in there and hurt myself. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not going to, it's going to be better than our printers for maintaining heat, you know, heat soak in the part, but, uh, uh, to also help with the warping, if you are printing like an ABS plastic, having the bed temperature a little bit higher helps as well. Uh, the more you can keep the entire part just below the glass point of the plastic, the better it will print like ABS will print just fine if you can keep it just under the glass point for the entire length of the print evenly like the heated evenly and then when the print's done letting it cool slowly evenly delayering is not a problem warping is not really a problem with abs but that's a hard thing to do on even a, a well-established enclosed printer so where yours is opening open and you've got warping issues the fan having not having the fan run at all will help with the warping issues, but might cause other problems. If you're printing a very small part, the filament might not have enough time to really solidify before the head comes back over again with the next layer and lays you know, molten plastic down on top of it, adding more heat to the part. So you could wind up printing a melted mess at that same time. So it's, it's really a balance. If I were in your shoes, I would bring it down to 20 or 30% and see what goes from there. Check the plastic first and then, then go with that. Hopefully that'll get somewhere, but I I still am leaning, speculating that it's a plastic issue on this one. Mm. Maybe who knows? <laughs> well, we will see. Shadow knows. <laughs> yeah. So I I think that's as many things as I can throw at you. Yeah. No, you're fine. Since we're so far into the path uh, the podcast, we want to go through and and quickly take five minutes and share what we've done or whatnot from last podcast let's do it and right. you brought it up what have you done this week can um, you keep it down to five minutes or do you need I will, another half I, an hour i will rush i will say one thing for next next week i am working on a drawer uh component drawer system um and have been designing that and i will talk more about that next week but last week i was working on my impellers um for my vent cooling system and uh, I had printed off two so far, two different kinds with the little variables changed in each one. And I did ran some tests this week, uh, both an airspeed test with an anemometer. Um, I, check, I ran amperage tests from the motor uh, directly. 
Um, I also did a suction test by um, using a hose with water to see how many millimeters I can have for lift of water to compare the two's suction capabilities and also RPMs off of the motor. And I've discovered that the first one that I had printed is a little bit better than the second one that I created from the last podcast we did. So I will be going with the first one, but I'm going to print another version to experiment with in which I um, am printing a larger diameter one. The one that I printed here, and I'm sure the smaller one I said that I lowered it down to 75 millimeters so I can print it absolutely flat in the resin printer. Um, I could physically hear Kevin cringe at printing flat when I told him that, and now I'm seeing why. It is awful to print flat. It did not want to come <laughs> off the bed at all. And I, I struck it hard enough that it delayered part of the bottom of the impeller. Oh, man. Um, yeah, you can kind of see my yeah. little delayering job right there. So, Kevin, I never said you were wrong, and I knew you were right, but I'm right. just going to go with an insane amount of supports and print at an angle like normal people do, because apparently there's a reason why they do that. Yes, but, there is. <laughs> But that will give me a little bit more leeway to be able to print bigger. I did print this new one with much thinner walls than the first one. Um, my first one was 2.5 millimeter walls. My second one was 2 millimeter walls. I think I'm going to go down even to 1 millimeter just to see how it turns out. This ABS-based 2.0 resin is amazing plastic. It is so strong. I'm very impressed with it. And uh, so I might be able to get away with a thinner, lighter uh impeller and so i'm going to try printing one that's slightly bigger with the thinner walls that's two variables but i'm testing two different things so um you know can it deal with the stresses uh being printed thinner and if so does the larger diameter that cause more suction and uh yeah that's it for me i suppose to not take up too much time i'll be working on my drawer boxes for my components that i've been playing with and uh, hopefully I'll have a lot of them printed and be able to really show off my ideas and why I did what I did for that particular project. And that's me. Deal. Cool. Kevin. Yeah. See, I can do it in five minutes. Five <laughs> minutes. Good job. We're proud I, of you, Andy. I'm actually very impressed, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> I did something good. <laughs> Kevin, did you work on anything this week? Yeah. So um, I... I had printed that one articulated dragon and taken it to work. Um, well, so I printed one for my friend and then I, I liked it so much that I printed one for myself. I took it to work and one of my coworkers saw it and she liked it and asked for one. So I printed one for her. Then Jess said to me, Hey, now that you've printed three of those dragons that I didn't ask you to do, how about you get around to, you know, finishing the shelf you started. <laughs> so, <laughs> So I, I printed that up um, and I have learned that the biscuits that I printed before, because I didn't reprint the biscuits, because why would I? Uh, I already had them. Um, yeah. They fit in the uh, the slots on the ends of the shelf, but they don't fit in the slots on the center of the shelf, probably because of how much more um, what I had to do to get this uh, filament to work with the 0.6 millimeter nozzle. I had to uh, do what Chris said he had found, um, increasing the the plastic flow rate and uh, decreasing 
the uh, print speed, so it made it mo a little bit too. How do you even do that? Short. That's do what that. works. That's, that's turning your tires slower and driving faster. <laughs> no, hey, it's driving slower, Andy. Yeah, it's it's driving slower. It's like oh, you said oh, you said moving slower. Okay, okay. yeah, I'm sorry, moving slower <laughs> and faster, but pushing pushing more plastic through the nozzle, but moving the head slower. It, oh well, that's that's doing it, the same problem too. That's it, it's a very low gear ratio. It's high RPMs and low speed. <laughs> okay. Anyway, lots so, of torque. So all I need to do that is, I mean, the biscuits are just a little bit too thick now. So I just need to sand okay. those down, and then I can assemble the thing. Um, and then um, during the week, um, I. I'm one of the starting members of a group on Facebook called um, Anycubic Photon S Fresh Start uh, because there was already a Photon S group, but it was so full of spam bots and um, bots posting highly inappropriate content that um, a few of us got sick of it and decided we would start our own group. Anyway, in that group, somebody asked... Um, if anybody had tried printing an articulated dragon with a resin printer. And so I came home that day and I, I had to shrink it way down. Like we're talking okay. like 28%, 28% of scale. Um, but I, I printed it off and um, I was expecting that all of the articulations would fuse, okay. but only... A few of them did. It worked astonishingly well. So did, um, did those fused parts uh, break off easily, or do they, or no. are they fused? Fused. They are fused. Okay. Um, so it's mostly the feet. The feet all fused um, because they're they're joints between the feet and the legs, and the those joints um, those are fused because they're they were just too small, and then okay. there were two or three articulations along the back of the dragon that also fused and they don't bend, but that's okay because it's the rest of it does. And it, it looks fine the way it is. Okay. okay. And then there was also in that same group, somebody was posting pictures of the screen on their, um, on their printer saying, okay, what do I do here? And it was, it was the same problem I was having with my screen. And so I said, well, you're going to have to replace that. Your, your screen's dead. So I pointed okay. them in the right direction. So I, I did a lot of helping and answering questions in the off week. So you're not, following in, in, you're following in Andy's step and you're not being an amateur anymore. You're being a coach. Well, I guess we all coached this episode though. I'm not getting paid for it though. So I am still no. an amateur. There's that. <laughs> There's that. And and the whole purpose sport. of this podcast is so that we can share our thoughts and experience. And that's exactly what I was doing in Fine. Facebook group. Forget, forget <laughs> I opened my mouth, Kevin. <laughs> but that's what I did this week. So uh, what have you done, Frank? I did a whole lot of nothing, actually. Okay. <laughs> um, that was easy. The uh, garter clips that I designed to hold the sheet on my bed. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, the TPU flap version mm -hmm. uh, or part um, was printed with a lower infill. I think it was 20. 
and the uh, the part that holds the sheet on is coming off. So I am trying to get my absolutely Frankenstein 3D printer to transition to TPU so I can print a new one of those. And it's being problematic mm-hmm. and not printing. Is that what you call than... your 3D printer, Frankenstein? Uh, no, I call it the Antichrist. Oh, I, I thought Frankenstein <laughs> sounded appropriate, like it's your baby. Um, I, I grew up watching The Gods Must Be Crazy, and uh, I decided the Antichrist was a better name than Frankenstein. So, um, More fitting for how much problems it's given you over this. Oh time. yes, absolutely. But, but if you think about it, Frankenstein—that's the scientist. It makes yes. the monsters. No, he is the monster. Oh. Thinking about it, it might actually be fitting after all, though. <laughs> oh, so you're saying I'm the monster? And... <laughs> no, no, I'm saying like um, you name it after yourself, and uh, and then every time you have a failed print, you know, you blame Doctor Frankenstein. You're like, ah, oh, what have you done, Frankenstein? No, I, I, I'd rather cry and fight and bitch and moan about uh my machine deciding to not work the way i want it to yeah um otherwise i struggled a little lately on that machine it's i mean every time is it still doing it like every time you use tpu then you go back to something else you get clogs and stuff i i haven't gone away from tpu yet i haven't gotten a good print there um because the way i've got my heat sink connected to the heat break Yeah, I expect there to be issues, and once I'm done, once I get it figured out, because that's going to be its own problem, um, I actually expect myself to tear it apart and clean it real good before I try to put anything else through it. So, that makes yeah, sense. that that's a uh, that's a later problem. Good deal. Um, well, hopefully, fixing that one particular spot there where it's getting all garbled up at would allow you to be able to switch in between filaments without any problems um maybe i i maybe it's ptsd i i just i don't trust it to transition from tpu to anything else so i'm just gonna disassemble it and clean it every time (laughs) (laughs) And, and and call it a uh less of a waste of my time to do it quickly rather than waiting for it to be problematic and waste half a spool of my filament. Um, Other than that, I fixed the problem I ran into with my software to merge the transcripts. Um, I still need to shoe in the the process to export the transcript file. And uh, once I get that done, I'll do the uh, presentation for our audio and... uh, no, our, our all factory listeners wouldn't get anything <laughs> from this one. So just for our visual listeners, um, I'll do the presentation for that. Um, you still got it setting up just exporting JSON files, right? Uh, with Whisper, yeah. Uh, Whisper exports the JSON. I do have plans to make it so that I can read the raw JSON file instead of the needing to go in and physically modify it myself um, is it a text-based format yes okay jason is just a uh it's a markup language isn't it um uh, not quite a markup language um it's more it, it's 
an easy HTML data transfer language. So it's oh. just raw, like. Okay. Um, yeah. it, okay, I see. It, it, I just found some raw examples of it. So. Parameterized. It's it's easier than like uh, XML. XML is very raw data too, um, mm -hmm. but JSON is just stripped down and even more raw data. So yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is it does look like XML, but different. Maybe, yeah, maybe that like that maybe the difficult to parse. The be the better way to describe it is the C version instead of the uh, the Java version or the Windows. Sorry, C version instead of the Windows version of data transfer. <laughs> There you go. Okay. Um, I, I think the whole, I think the whole point behind JSONs was <clears throat> that it, it, to make it as simple as possible right. to have a data format that could be uh, handed off between all kinds of different uh, yeah. parsers. And XML um, is just like HTML, where you need the opening and closing tags mm -hmm. for most of the data transfer. And with JSON, it's just uh, you have the header and then you use brackets like all other C languages. So it's all scoped kind of the same way, just with less text actually in the file. Okay. That'll work. And so you'll make it so that you can interpret the, the JSONs directly instead of yeah. using an interpreter. That would be nice. Well, n not instead of using an interpreter. Um, the way they're exported from Whisper is... Mm -hmm. There's a lot more JSON in there, and okay. I just strip it down to the um, to the array that I want, and that yeah. requires me going into the file and editing it. And I did it that way just because that's the important part of the information right now. Yeah. But eventually, once I get everything else uh, working, I'm gonna build it out so that I don't have to do that anymore. Nice. That's gonna be the pressure. Well, I look forward to so. Definitely look forward to seeing that. That's awesome. Uh, but that's all Lightening I Lightening your week. load, too. So. Yeah. Um, I realized I was underestimating how long it takes to do the production. And <laughs> underestimating? Even, yeah. Um, okay. With the newer format for the transcript, mm -hmm. I'm still at about three times the listening time. Yeah. And that's with things going much faster. I must have been closer to like six times. Oh, that's a lot of time spent on this. <laughs> I never considered how much hours you spend on that. And and it's at this point, I do very little editing of the, the actual podcast and it's all just making sure that the transcript is accurate. <laughs> so um, oh. yeah, getting this and I can refine it as I go to this yeah. software. So, um, yeah, we'll just go from there. Hopefully after a little while here, you'll just be giving it the locations of the files and it'll spit out a complete transcript ready to be uploaded. So that would be nice. Actually, um, I've been exporting the, uh, the full transcript, uh, with all the voices together mm -hmm. and eventually it would be nice to be able to make it so that it compares the individual speech with mm -hmm. the full transcript and automatically aligns everything that way. Yeah, that'd be nice. And um, then it's just a spell check from there instead of any adjustment of the, the transcript. Yeah. Um, but that's that's a later problem for Frankie to figure out too. So. Neat. But neat. that's all I did this week. Sounds great. 
Well, should we go ahead and call it since we're approaching that one and a half hour mark, that <laughs> four and a half hours of time that Frank's going to have to process all this? Yeah, let's do that. Even after <laughs> I pull out the silence, it's still going to be like an hour and 20 minutes, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, we'd like to thank everyone for listening to the very end. The very, very end. If you like what you hear, give us all the stars and subscribe. We are available through a wide variety of podcast vendors, and so we're easy to share. If you have feedback, you can find us in our Facebook group, Amateur 3D Pod. You can email us at Franklin, Kevin, Andy, or Chris at Amateur3DPod.com, or you can email us together at panelists at Amateur3DPod.com. Kevin Buckner wrote the music for this episode, and OpenAI's Whisper completed the heavy lifting for the transcripts, which you can find linked in the description. You think I spend a lot of time on this? Whisper spends about 10 hours transcribing all of the, the audio. So lots of heavy work being done by the AI. I didn't um, our panelists are me, Franklin Christensen, and my friends, Kevin Buckner, Chris Weber, and Andy Cottom. And our guest star this week was Ryan Phillips. Until next time, we're going offline. Keep your fit tight. Always use hairspray. And you've reached Ryan Phillips, but please don't leave a message at the beep. <laughs> beep. I love bringing my 3D printer to a party. It always brings another layer of fun. <clears throat>